The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. This is Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hardell. Toronto's News, today's talk, 640 Toronto. Welcome, show about money, boys and girls, brothers and sisters. I hope you're well. Yeah, Wolfgang Klein here, portfolio manager, wealth creator. Some people refer to me as a rainmaker. That's really what we are, uh, rainmakers. Uh, as long as you're willing to, well, get out with an umbrella and, yeah. Walk in the rain. Walking in the rain. Who did that song? It's a classic. We're going to be playing some classics for you, too, by the way. Got some great tunes lined up for the show. Um, yeah, we are going to be speaking with uh, Lara Borbadoukas. She is our wealth and estate planning specialist. Uh, planning is very, very important. Um, spending some time on Netflix, as I always do. I love Netflix. And at some point, you have to reload the trade with that stock. It's a great company. Um, but uh, I picked up the... Uh, Show on uh, the Williams sisters, uh, Serena Williams and Venus Williams. What a fabulous movie that is. And uh, as dad's practicing with uh, his girls in the court, he puts up a big sign on the one end, actually usually right behind him because he's, he's pitching balls at them and they're, they're returning them. And the sign reads, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. And uh, coming into the studio, Jack uh, said, uh, we're going to have to ask Laura um, why so many financial plans do not work. So that's a little question for you, Laura. I want you to think about that. Don't come in yet. Think about that, why financial plans fail. But uh, I am all about compounding, my good friends. I'm all about trying to help all of you become wealthy. Look, if you're wealthy, you can hang with us. Uh, We can certainly help you if you are wealthy. But most people you know, who care, who are listening to the show right now, I believe want to become wealthy or want to become wealthier. And uh, again, if you're retired, you have to manage the market and the market's a little better on you that interest rates are higher, but prices are rising. So you have to manage your spending. While you're working, yes, you have to manage your spending actually so much so that you have to remember to pay yourself first. Um, Mr. Chilton got that right. I believe that was his name, Chilton, uh, from the wealthy barber. Pay yourself first. 10% was his number. I, I, I believe a lot more. Uh, if you, you know, my daughter right now, a uh, little summer job, and she was able to put away half of her paycheck. Again, everything's paid for by mom and dad, uh, except for her frappuccinos and bubble tea. But uh, So she was able to save. Uh, she got four paychecks and put half aside. And I said, I'm going to match it for you, and we're going to invest it for you, and you're going to leave it alone. It's going to grow for you. Uh, it is so important, my friends, you got to get started. And to get started, you got to work. Get out of bed, go to work, and earn some money. And, you know, if you work eight hours, why not save two of those hours? For the future, spend six and save two. So instead of dollars and cents, why don't we talk about saving hours, all right? You get paid X amount per hour. At least save one. One of eight is about 12%, so that's better than uh, Mr. Chilton. But I think if you're staying at home, you should be able to save four of those dollars. And I spoke to a good friend of mine. I'm not going to mention his name on the radio, but he's a plumber. And he's, uh, he said, hey, Wolf, I just uh, he's re- recently retired. He said, hey, Wolf, I was just going through some old stuff. You know, you're retired, you have nothing to do, so you decided to clean out your closet for the first time in 40 years. And that's what he was doing. He said, I just found my first pay stub. When I started working as a plumber, my first paycheck was $163. 163 he said and i saved 100 of it i said bingo and that's why you were able to purchase a house in your late 20s because you began saving at the four start of, of of wealth creation i go back to my good friends 
try to save at least $1,000 a month. Uh, I think most of you can do that, and I think many of you should do even more than that. Um, $12,000 a month. Uh, make a 9% return, which is, you know, it's a broad market return over the course of 50 to 70 years. Just look at the, what the TSX has done since 1950. Look at the S&P 500. Uh, S&P's done about uh, 11 to 12. Technology stocks have done a little better, and Toronto market's done about 9% it's, over, it's, over a 70-year period. Um, so you go ten, after 10 years of, of $1,000, a month saving, you're at about $182,000. Not bad. Uh, but after 20 years, my good friends, you're well over, you are well over $600,000. And after 30 years, bingo, you're at one and a half million. And at 40 years, you're at 4 million. And that's the name of the game. Uh, that's where you need to strive to get to. And no one's going to take care of you. And there's a lot of layoffs going on out there right now. And, uh, you know, if you're older, uh, you know, a little daunting uh, to be laid off. You know, if you're laid off when you're 30, that's one thing. But being laid off in your mid-50s is not good. But again, if you're laid off in your mid-50s and you took my plan and you were saving since you left school, 1000 bucks a month, uh, all right, now you're mid-50s, that would mean about 25 years, you'd be okay. You'd have a million bucks in the side to protect you for a rainy day. So I cannot stress the importance enough. And Jack wants to get in here. It's good. It's importance enough, my friends, you got to start saving as soon as possible. It takes about 25 years for the olives to show on the tree or for the grapes to be able to be harvested nicely. And grapes, obviously, soon. I'm just playing with you here. But uh, that's what it takes. 25 years minimum. You go to 40, bingo. Gee whiz, if I live to 100, can you imagine compounding for 100 years, Jack? They call you Charlie Munger. How old is he? Close to 198 or something. I wonder when Charlie bought his first stock. I don't know. He's been saving forever. Living beneath his means, 100%. So important. Is that not so important, Jack? Absolutely. The, the one correction I wanted to say there Please. was you said 12000 a month. It's $1,000 a month. Sorry, $12,000 $12, a year. Right. Which, again, is it's the forced habit of saving and discipline that people really lack. And you mentioned why financial plans fail so often. Because people don't have that discipline to spend less than they make and save a little bit for a rainy day. Well, they can, again, uh, Laura, you can pipe in here. Laura Berbadakis, she's our in-house wealth and estate planning specialist. Welcome back. Thank you. So, yes, I definitely agree with Jack. Uh, when we put a plan together, we make recommendations on how much that you should be saving. Um, and that's really the, the key to getting to whatever goal it is that you want to get to. Friends, it's, next time you're with your, your, your financial planning team and your advisor and you say, yes, I'm going to save twelve grand a year, do it. Do it, which means sign a pack agreement and get set up on a monthly savings plan. Pay yourself first. Have it automatically come out of your account. Uh, you just That's the way to do it. You must preset the deck because you know something? You're human. You won't do it on your own. If you do, you're going to do it at the end of the year or you're going to be cute. Jack, well, what about the other people who sit on cash during bear markets and then pile in at the peak of bull markets? You're just talking, talking yeah, to me well, about that's that. What the, that. Typically, that's what investors do. Retail investors sit on cash when things are really bad out there. It's getting worse. There's going to be a recession. Well, guess what? Because of all those factors that the market is aware of, things are on sale. Buyer strike. That, yeah, that's when, when, that's when, when you have power. When things get better, when the market turns around, now they're like, well, you know, I've got all this cash sitting on the sidelines. I may as well invest it. At higher you levels. You missed the move. You missed the move. 
Now, best just to buy right through, uh, buy good quality names. Sure, have your advisor, make sure your advisor is properly rotating through. And that's what we do. We do rotate through the uh, portfolio into value stocks, growth stocks, momentum stocks, dividend. They all come in and out of favor. And so the name of the game is to try to be at each party with some degree uh, so that you can participate in the upside. This year, uh, Laura, it's amazing. Um, the market got going in 2023 on primarily 10 stocks and market breadth at the beginning of this new bull market was weak and low. And if you didn't have those 10 stocks, you were not participating. So to be astute and to be able to shift gears and pivot, not so easy, but you shouldn't be pivoting on a financial plan. Um, okay, Laura, we're going to get to you. Uh, going to take a quick break, pay some bills around here. Uh, we're going to talk wealth and estate planning with our specialist, Lara. Right after this. Don't go anywhere. There's more Hi Fi Radio in a moment on 640 Toronto. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. There's the hook. Freedom. How about that Freedom 55? You know, it could be done. It was, I think, uh, over-marketed, under, um, uh, under-explained. Uh, you want Freedom 55? You basically, it's 25 years. Isn't that what the Wolfman said? 25 years of savings will do the trick. But you got to start at 20. Uh, so why don't we say Freedom 60? You start at 25 and you go for 25 years, right? At 25. No, that'd be Freedom 50. Uh, so if you start at 25, add 25, add 30 on. And Freedom 55, let's do that. We're going to start at 25, go 30 years in the market. 1.6 Milski. Yeah, that's it. Can you? Will you be free with 1.6 in uh, 30 years? I say no. Laura Borbadoukas, our uh, wealth and estate planning specialist. Do you believe in uh, 30 years uh, retiring with 1.6 million dollars plus CPP and OAS without the clawback will be enough? Mm, I think it'll be a bit tough. I think very tough. Not enough. I think it depends on your lifestyle, but um, given the way things have increased. Uh, I think it'll be tough. Laura, you know what I I would um, uh, like to remind clients and and listeners out there? Uh, Because I know you're able to do something with financial plans, and that's called Monte Carlo testing. Uh, It's scenario analysis. It's trying to find worst-case scenario by tumbling numbers and seeing if you can survive it. And again, I'm, I'm such a rudimentary guy. Sometimes rude, I guess, too, Uh, but quite simple, uh, nonetheless, with the way I view money in the world. And that is you need to retire with twice as much as you need. Why? Because every now and then the market goes in half. Accept it. It is the factoid. Uh, What you don't want to do is be shaken out at the bottom or on on a quick downdraft because you will regret it. It'll turn and you'll be left holding the bag, meaning you're going to be out of the market. Market then turns and goes higher. Now you're going to scramble to get back in. Um, It is a way to take a bar of soap and turn it into suds. And so you have to basically retire with twice as much as you need. Laura, how often have you come across people who, you know, sort of retire 
borderline with enough money and then all of a sudden a little change in their spending habits uh, or a radical change in the market and their plan gets thrown out the window. How often have you seen that? I, I have seen it uh, on occasion where they have taken, an, let's say, an earlier retirement and then they get unexpected expenses such as roofs that they didn't think would such as what? come in. Roofs? A roof. That that'll, that'll do the trick. Especially a yeah. cedar. I put a cedar roof on my house, Laura. I couldn't believe... A cedar roof. Okay, it's a nice house and it's pretty big, but not that big. Um, over $100,000 for a cedar roof. I always try to avoid buying a house with cedar on it because I just knew it so much. But a hundred grand, I expected twice that of asphalto. Asphalt roof cost you about, would it cost you about twenty or 25000 I think. What do you think it cost you to put uh, asphalt shingles in your house, Jack, up in Newmarket? Oh, fifteen to twenty thousand. Fifteen to twenty yeah. for your place. Is my guess. But yeah. again, that I should not be not, that yeah. should not be an unexpected expense. If you own a house and you're retired at some point, every twenty years, you got to do your your, your roofs. Yeah. You got to do soffits. You got to you know do repairs and maintenance on a house if you so want to keep it in good order. But so that so should important. not be that people, should be part of the plan. It has to be part of the plan. But that's where people fa- fail to plan. They, you're right, Jack. Everything you're saying is correct. You should know that every twenty years. But it sort of comes as an unexpected expense. Again, probably where it should have come into the plan. So, you know, these are things that when we do a plan, we take into consideration possible uh, expenses that can come up because they always do, whether it's a health reason and a renovation, whatever, they always come up, uh, which is why we're very conservative when we do our plans. And I was going to say lifestyle expenses in retirement. I think people underestimate those. From what I see, uh, the plans that we run for clients, some people stick to plans. I'm not saying everyone fails, but uh, one of the big reasons why financial plans don't hold water, so to speak, is because people in their retirement don't stick to the lifestyle expenses that they had. They got all this freedom. They're looking to travel, lots of discretionary spending, they believe. But, you know, uh, if you don't stick to what you have planned in your plan, you got to expect things to go offside for you. And they go pretty quick, especially if the market goes out of favor as well. I'm going to throw one out there. Let's talk a little bit about inflation because inflation erodes purchasing power and your expenses as you go into retirement are going to go up, even if you don't become lavish just through the concept of inflation. Inflation is back. But uh, I met with a uh, an individual who was in the peanut business and just you know playing around with food prices and, and the likes. They said, by the way, what did you pay for peanuts when you got into this business? Just raw peanuts. And he said, 25 cents a pound. 30 years later, 89 cents a pound. Raw peanuts. Um, so prices do rise, even food prices, and you know what I say thirty says thirty to eight, thirty to ninety. That doesn't sound that, like that, crazy. No, but that's up. Peanuts. That's two hundred percent over thirty years. Uh, so that is, you know, that, friends, if you think you're going to spend a hundred thousand dollars in retirement over thirty years, that means you need three hundred thousand at the end of that period of time if the price rises as peanuts have. The good news is, got some data on my desk here. Uh, since, well, basically since the last, in the last 12 months, gasoline prices down 26%, airfare down 19%, car and truck rental down 12 major appliances down 11 TVs, televisions down 10 and eggs, eggs down eight, cheaper eggs. You know it's cheap? I'll tell you what's cheap. I made a beautiful pork roast dinner for my family with my culinary skills from George Bound. And I bought this big monster chunk of meat, pork, $12. I fed my family wonderfully for 12 bucks. If I, if I feed my family chicken, I'm spending probably closer to 20 If I'm serving steak, oh boy, I'm in trouble. Well, pork was one of them that didn't go up quite as much as obviously the, the chicken and the beef. But the, the other point that I would make, Wolf, and we were talking about this on the way over, all those items that you mentioned there are goods. 
Now we're starting to see services, restaurants, travel, people that you know had discretionary spending, high interest rates. You mentioned about job losses, a little uncertainty out there. People are starting to cut back. The fact is that is what the central banks wanted to happen. They want the economy to slow down because there's too much demand, not enough goods, not enough services, prices were going higher. Now it's becoming back into balance. And if we get a recession, which everyone is calling for, that restores the equilibrium and resets the deck for the next cycle. Okay, Laura, let's go back to um, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Uh, financial planning and, and, and proper uh, wealth creation and estate planning um, <laughs> requires commitment. How What percent of people do you create a financial plan for who actually stick to it? Well, um, maybe 30%. That's a pretty good guess. I think your guess is pretty accurate, Lara, Uh, which means 70% of the people that you spend countless hours um, uh, uh, receiving information and going back and forth, 70% don't even stick to the plan. Uh, Laura, I want to pivot over. Okay, so we talked about wealth creation. Um, I do want to talk about the, and I'm going to give you about 30 seconds, the importance of properly selecting the executor for your will, who's going to execute your estate plan when you head off to the happy trading ground in the sky. Yes. So you want to have somebody that is um, responsible, has some knowledge and has time in order to to do this task, because uh, sometimes you might have to deal with conflicts um, and there's a lot of information that needs to be taken care of. And it's a very long process. It could take many, many years in certain cases, even a very simple uh, settlement uh, could take up to a year. You know, it's funny, Laura, that you say that because I'm again, I'm, I'm doing this bit of a Netflix binge, and I uh, just watched last night um, the girl with the dragon tattoo. Um, I was actually totally, totally drawn into it. And this girl is a, we'll call it a misfit, uh, but she's a genius. Um, but she was a ward of the state. Uh, I guess her parents left her a lot of money, but the, she has no family left. And so now it is the state that is managing her money for her. And she has to approach the uh, state every time she needs money. And the fellow who's writing the checks ends up being a complete creep and rapes her. And then she, of course, gets revenge. So brilliantly so. Um, but my point is, you have to make sure you line up your people, which means, yes, if you're when you have a will written, you need to have yourself an executor and you should have a second executor, not working together, but have backups. Same with your kids. When you decide to create trust inside your will, you need to choose someone who's going to administer that trust. It better be someone you trust who understands the, 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 the responsibility because it's large. And that person can quit. And if they quit and there's no alternative, it'll be, again, handled by the government. I, at that point, I would say watch the movie, uh, the girl with the golden with the dragon tattoo. Uh, so I share all of that with you. Some good stuff on Netflix right now. I'm telling Jack to watch the other one that uh, I find very compelling. It's called The Current War. It's all about electrification uh, of North America. Ah, Laura, we bounced around, but you know something? That's all part of financial planning. Uh, indeed, it is. Uh, I want to wish you a great weekend. I know you're a very, very astute planner, and I know you're sticking to your plan. Jack sticks to his plan. I stick to my plan, and ultimately. Our plan is to help you have more wealth. Lara, thank you. Friends, stay tuned. We're going to get right back to Hi-Fi Radio, and we're going to speak with our media and telecom analyst, Ari Vinda, and perhaps talking a little bit about this very company, Chorus Entertainment. Jack's shaking his head. Don't do that, Wolf. Why not?
Stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. There's more Hi-Fi Radio in a moment on 640 Toronto. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Welcome back. Looking for my post there. Dearly beloved. That was a great little uh, Sebastian Minuscalco uh, did a little bit on uh, Prince. You gotta find it. Uh, Google it. And he uh, goes through this whole Prince talk. It's so funny. And I say he used to walk around the house saying, Dearly beloved. And he, uh, he wanted to be Prince. Uh, I was talking about Prince's big motorcycle and he's on a so, so funny. I don't want to spoil it for you. Just grab it. Sebastian Minuscalco doing Prince. Uh, indeed, you don't have to be rich, but you know something? It'd be better if you were. Don't you think? Well, I can give the money to charity if you don't know what to do with it. Uh, lots of needy causes out there. So much homelessness out there. It, it, it breaks my heart. It, it truly, truly does. Uh, my kids are working on a golf course, Jack. Golf course backs onto the Humber uh, uh, area. And on the course, right off the edge of the course, two tents built. One with, we said, my son said, one built with a water filtration system in there, collecting rainwater. And, really? Yeah, yeah. And of course, sure, it's, it's okay in July and August, but uh, November? No. Yep. I know in Rosedale, just down the uh, Don in the valley, the Don Valley, I guess it'd be called. Uh, uh, they get relocated. The, the little homeless camps that get set up. Yeah, they come in. The authorities they move them, and they step on the other side of the river and carry on. Uh, it's a tough environment. It's a, it's a tough Cost environment, and you'd be surprised at how you know difficult things are, even for people that you wouldn't expect that have. I'm going to say. Maybe not high incomes, but you know, medium incomes with you know rising rates, rising inflation, cost of living going up. It's it's a challenging time and environment for investors and for just people trying to get through life. You need to live beneath your means, uh, my good friends. It doesn't matter how much you take in; you must live beneath your means. You're not the government. It's the only one who can sort of get away with spending more than they take in precipitously. Uh, but uh, a good balance sheet matters. Um, who knows better than that than our good analyst, Ari Vinder Galipada. Uh, he covers uh, tech, media, telecom, and the likes. He's uh, been on the show many, many times. But uh, balance sheets matter, uh, right? Being prudent with your cash flow and you know uh, taking in more than you spend. Uh, that catches your attention, doesn't it, as an analyst? It does, it does. And I think uh, it's... It's it, in a sense it's seasonal, um, you know. At time and and and, more, and I guess it fa- in seasons where the market is particularly risk averse, you know, the focus really turns to the balance sheet. And you can almost right. run quant models, knowing nothing about the business, nothing about the company. You can just run quant models where you simply invest based on uh, based on balance sheet leverage, and you'll be winning. That's interesting for, for significant phases of time. Really, uh, obviously, it, it, there are points. When you know market, the market gets very risk tolerant, and that that model goes away, but right. for significant phases of time, that really works. It's always you know, uh, it's sort of funny. It's sort of like insurance. Or my dad always said, "You don't shut the barn door after the horse left the barn." And again, how many people buy you know house insurance or or uh, get an alarm system after they have been robbed? Uh, same thing. When times are good, no one's going to look at the balance sheet, but when times are bad, they're going to look at the balance sheet, and that's when well, the house of cards can collapse. Jack and I were looking at a chemical stock. Two of them, Shamores and um, uh, Lindine. And Shamores has a balance sheet problem, and it's clearly stated by multiple analysts, and yet the stock is rising. But I say, no, I'm not going to touch his name because if, if the economy slows down as it is, um, that weak balance sheet will cause them a lot of discomfort, perhaps even forced sale. Um, 
You know, it's funny, uh, Arivinda, uh, you know, th- this very company that I'm broadcasting, Jack was shaking, don't talk about them. Well, I'm going to talk about them and they can edit this out if they want. But uh, Chorus Entertainment, they have a decent balance sheet. Uh, yeah, it has a bit of leverage on it from the television assets that were put on it. But um, when speaking to, you know, potential investors and, you know, people in the know, they're often surprised how low the stock has become, how cheap the company has become. And this company does make money. I'm a paying customer of this company. I pay my bills and it does generate cash flow. It generates a decent dividend yield. Um, what's your, if you, if you don't mind, if I may, what's your guess? Like, what is the end game uh, in the uh, in these media companies here in North America? And again, of course, there's no different. You know, Bell Canada with quarterly results, I think they have a bit of a beat, but the stock is lower. Rogers doesn't look so good. Tell us making 52-week lows. Like, there's some challenges across the media landscape in Canada. Yeah, so it's it's uh, different factors for media, different factors for telecom. But mm-hmm. as far as media is concerned, I mean, they're really, the broadcast industry itself is very much up against it. Is what? Uh, because, is up against it because um, the what has fundamentally changed is that you almost had this cozy arrangement historically, media companies and the government or the regulators where the, the, the media companies agreed that they would take on certain amounts of Canadian content and accept certain levels of, I would say, almost elevated regulatory obligations. Mm -hmm. In return, the CRTC and the regulators in general would not allow any foreign competition. So you had that, I'll help you out, Uh. you'll help us. But what's happened is with digital, (laughs) with with YouTube, with with streaming, Mm -hmm. that arrangement breaks down because the the, the Canadian regulator does not touch those uh, platforms, at least not until... They're they're global platforms, that's just it. Exactly. So the those what you call those wall Canadian wall gardens come down. Ah. And the but on the other hand, as you understand, the regulatory framework does not change as quickly as <laughs> those market realities. And in the meantime, the, the media company gets crushed and that's really what's been uh, happening. So it's the the structural obviously the natural structural pressure that you know about, you know, streaming taking substantial portion of uh, of viewing away from traditional broadcasting. You, you know, you know catches my attention as well, but is is the market itself like the market is a pretty darn smart organism and it's a living breathing organism it's a collective unconscious of all investors and all participants going long, going short, staying out. Um, and when the market likes something it likes it and takes it higher to extreme levels. And when the market doesn't like something, it doesn't like it. No matter what you do, financials are hated. Media stocks are hated. And no matter how much money they make, how much dividends they pay you, the market doesn't care. Uh, so uh, how, how does that play out? Uh, again, based on your experience, Arvinda, a catalyst to turn the tide. What usually turns the tide on these secular declining uh, shares? Yeah, so two things. Um, one you touched on, which is balance sheet. The other one is strategy. So if, generally speaking, if you try to push against the tide, which is, I think, unfortunately, what it appears to me that Chorus is trying to do, where you're trying to invest deeper and deeper into the existing business, uh, maybe try and buy large swaths of programming from the U.S., um, that generally is a strategy that does not yield great results. Um, returning more and more shareholders, to, uh, more money to shareholders, 
trying to maybe divest pieces of the business and shore up the balance sheet and give yourself, you know, build those sandbags, that's what works. So I'll give you, you know, a similar example from our own space is Yellow Pages. Not that it's done exceptionally well, but it's one of the top performing stocks of 2019. And I really? the stock was $5. And it's, it's still, it's, it's it, you know, you had a change in CEO. And the new guy essentially came and said, look, uh, I recognize what this is. There's no point investing in this. I'm going to actually harvest it out. So all he hmm. just took an axe and started cutting costs and just maintained uh, sort of the, the bare bones. And what sometimes surprises you is how much cash flow is left in these traditional businesses. Large, right? Large decline. cash. Large. So as that accumulates, uh, Yellow Pages ended up with a massive swath of cash. They did a $100 million buyback, increased their dividend, started a dividend, increased the dividend, and still sits on a substantial net cash position. Uh, and, you know, as you can understand, Yellow Pages is a far more structurally challenged business oh, than broadcasting. Without question. So to, to answer your question, I mean, that's a great example of turning it around. On the other hand, you have to perhaps get into an adjacent business. I mean, even if you think about one of the most successful companies in MySpace, Thomson Reuters, used to be in newspapers. Yeah, right? that's so, right. That's right. So, you know, you you Good have point. to jump into a business that, that's adjacent but not too adjacent, right? And, uh, and I, I, although, you know, the final chapter hasn't been written yet, I mean, I like what Transcontinental is trying to do, right? You know, it did tried to go the digital route, realize it doesn't work, and then got into packaging, right? It's keeping the, it's, it's kept the company in, in decent shape. So that, that's right. GTC, GTC Transcontinental is an old printing company, correct? It is. It is. But right. it's, it's almost 50-50 now packaging and, and printing. Wow. So, do, do you think private equity steps in and buys course? The, the metrics are certainly compelling, but there is the, 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 the slight problem of, of, dual, of a dual-class capital structure and the ownership by the Shaw family. That hasn't changed. So Yeah, but the ownership, of, of, of course, by the Shaw family is, is, is only, what, is it 5 or 10%? It's not, it's not that much, is it? Uh, but the, it, the, the voting control is with them. So I think right, of course, they, they got the vote, yeah. Yeah, so it cannot happen without it. it uh, private equity wouldn't put money into it un unless. Of they course, they got rid of that. Best thing Mag never did was getting rid of that dual voting for the share structure. But every media company, I think, tell us the exception. Tell us never had a dual the dual share class. Um, Kojiko, not Kojiko, um, Quebec or they 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 would have dual as well, right? Yeah, any any company that's family owned generally has uh, not always, but most of the time. Thompson doesn't. In this day and uh, age, which, a new company launching new because you know at some point it was by a person, and that person had a family. You could say it's a family run business, maybe with a friend. But uh, yeah, but some of the mega cap U.S. names too have multiple voting. Yeah, Google too, does, so doesn't it? Yeah, it's, it's not unique to Canada. Yeah, but again, in this day and age, I don't think the the market is as willing to accept dual share class as they were they back in the fifties. Like what what the do you founders, think, Arvind? Were they like how would the market take a new dual share class company if it's IPOing today? Look, that, that it is a drag. Um, sometimes, whether you know, again, it's the season. You know, in a season where the market's huh. focused on growth, it's focused on the, all the shiny aspects of right. uh, the product or where the business can go. It, it tends to overlook that. But my experience covering a lot of these dual-class capital structure companies that it it, it it almost deserves a discount from. I agree. Investors don't business. like it, but they'll accept it if it's a great business. Well, and a lot of the in a good, in, and a lot of the, and a lot of the founder-led companies, you you actually want the founder to maintain control so they can continue to direct the ship. 
it is true. But I think net-net, my experience is that it, it hurts law in the I agree with Harry Vinder, 100%. And, and it helps. I'll give you one very recent example from our space, which is Kojiko. The stock is at $64. Um, wow. It's a good business, mm-hmm. but it's down from, you know, it used to be in the hundreds last year, mm-hmm. over $100. Uh, at $99, Rogers made a bid, what I felt was, you know, was, uh, of, I think, $135 to the, the board. They didn't even want to meet with the company. It went up to a 150 There was no discussion. It was rejected either the day off or the day after. Wow. It was evident to us on the street that that 150 number can go up dramatically, but there was no conversation. So it's a $99 stock with a minimum premium of 50, potentially more. It could be in 60, 70, 80. We don't know. Um, and, uh, and uh, you know, for, I suspect for, for, for various family reasons. I mean, it, it, it didn't... Uh, it didn't. Uh, they didn't want to go down that route. But to public shareholders, that's a huge disappointment. You're back at 64. So, I mean, that's an example of, of suboptimal you know, decisions that are made uh, that are you know, not optimal for public shareholders. Yeah, I wonder if there's liability there. There's always liability to the board for not accepting it. Eh, Look, we're going to take a quick break, uh, pay some bills around here, and uh, get right back to Hi-Fi Radio Show About Money. Jack Hartle, Portfolio Manager, by my side. Arvinder Galipata, he's a media and telecom analyst with Canaccord, very, very seasoned, and uh, lots of insight into Canadian business. Stay tuned. Want to make more money? Stay tuned for more Hi-Fi Radio on 640 Toronto. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. I've looked at clouds from both sides now. So beautiful. Little Joni Mitchell for you. Yep, both sides now. So we try to do, look at the bull and the bear case. What do you like about it? What don't you like about it? And you have to make a decision. Buy it or move on. It's what we do, Jack and I. And, uh, well, we got some good partners to help us uh, make those decisions. Uh, Ari Vinda is our media telecom analyst at Canaccord. And uh, he brought us all together about a month ago. And said, guys, stay away from telecom media. Not much going on. Maybe slower prices. And good call, dude. Uh, yeah. Tell us making a 52-week low. Uh, Bell not looking very good. Uh, Bell just reported results this week, uh, Ari Vinda. What did you see in their results? And why is the stock uh, trading, uh, trading off? I think um, there were, um, it's, it's the, so the first thing to consider is obviously the rates. As you can see, the rates are ticking up. Every, you know, everyone knows. Interest rates, you mean? Bell, yeah, Bell is a bond proxy. And uh, so, you know, rates ticking up is, is never good. Uh, there was nothing particularly wrong with the results. But uh, it is, you know, I think there's a general consensus that uh, it is tracking towards the lower end of uh, guidance for the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, look, it's 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 tough business because you when you look at the construct of Bell's business model, it's wireline, call it 50, 
you know, 50%, little over 50% of the business. Wireless is 40 and the rest is uh, 40 plus and then the rest is media. Media is so small. Radio is even smaller. Radio is puny in the grand yeah. schemes. It's so small. It's so, so small. It's just uh, frightening. Uh, but, but I want to ask you in terms of valuations, friends at home, stay with me on this. I'm going to uh, twist you a little bit with your with some mathematics. Nothing too complicated. But um, uh, Bell trades at about 17 times earnings. Uh, so if the company makes, what, I don't know, four bucks, uh, multiply 17 times that. That's about, I guess, what it's estimated to make. You got about just under a $55 stock uh i know my math's pretty close on that one but i I think some of some of the telecom companies in the united states are trading below 10 times earnings uh verizon at&t i think at&t is actually trading the six or seven times and you know blows me away those companies my friends at home boys and girls have 100 million plus customers wait a minute that sounds like three canadas in one company it does astounding isn't it arivinda so why so cheap it is. I mean, the U.S. Uh, the U.S. valuations, U.S. telco valuations. If you kind of go head to head, big three U.S. versus big three Canada, that gap has opened up to almost historically unseen uh, levels. Which means the Canadian market could come and see those levels, which would cut the stocks in half further. You think it happens? It it could the the spread could uh, narrow from here. The, the the reason is though. I mean, there are fundamental reasons why you know the Canadians do better because they're 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 generally more defensive names. I mean, if you look at the volatility of AT and and Verizon, you almost wonder whether they're actually defensive sectors. It's it's hit by various things that very rarely Canadian telcos face. If you think about this most recent news about lead cheap uh, uh, cables, the I heard about that. Yeah, where was it? They had some lead pipe. Which which company had some lead pipe underground that they had to deal with? Well, I mean, all the telcos do. AT and T does, Verizon does. I mean, to a very very small degree. Are they the leaching lead? It, it's yeah. So this is. I mean, this stopped in the sixties. It's a very old issue. Uh, but uh, but you know, Wall Street Journal wrote it up, and it created uh, huge problems, and then dove you know dove the stocks. Drove the stocks down even uh, even further. Um, so I mean, you know, two months ago there was this news about potentially Amazon, uh, you know, offering their own wireless plans uh, with Dish and, and, and Tesla with a phone. Yeah. <laughs> How about a Tesla phone? Yeah, no, I know. I heard that. I don't. I don't know if that's that's how credible that is. But well, but, Twitter's now X. Anything's possible. I guess so. But yeah, I mean, the point is that uh, U.S. seems to go through a lot more volatility. And also, and the, the, one of the central points is that U.S. in the U.S. wireless penetration is at, you know, at a very mature level. There's no more space for volume growth in the U.S., whereas in Canada, immigration is, is really, you know, driving volume growth again. So there are reasons for the gap. But nonetheless, the gap is greater than it's ever been. And I think unjustified. Uh, when you actually consider how sharp it is, as you pointed out in the PE multiples, and whether you look at free cash, you, you know, uh, I, I, penetration. You know, came to my mind, Arivinda. We had, um, uh, I think, someone on from Covenant House, uh, and it's incredible. But out of necessity, homeless people, some homeless people have cell phones. Uh, that, that you talk about penetration, they penetrated the market. Uh, yes, I understand. No, I'm, not, I'm not being facetious. I'm being factual here. Uh, yes, I understand immigration. And uh, what is the immigration policy in Canada? How, how many immigrants are, are we going to receive next year? I think about, is it 500,000? Well, I thought it was yeah. a million or something. But anyways, yeah. it, you can actually see with the telecoms, I think Rogers most recently, uh, Net Additions tracking immigration. Because as you come in and a new immigrant, mm-hmm. you know, you got to find shelter and you got to find Banking, you get bank account, function. shelter, credit card. Yep. Yeah. Yep. The, the other name that you cover, Arvinder, uh, obviously COVID impacted it dramatically, uh, Cineplex. So you've got 
Oppenheimer right now, Barbie, Rider Strike. What, what's your view on Cineplex and then the IMAX as well? Yeah, so what we've uh, uh, said is that, I mean, on one hand, it's it's a kind of a dual-edged story because on one hand, the box office is coming back, perhaps even better than a lot of people thought. If you look at July, we're back to pre-pandemic levels of box office. Oh, uh, they did. we did it. That's yeah, good. That's good. Absolutely. We were tracking. Not going to work yet, but we're going to the movies. That's good because it's start baby steps. <laughs> exactly. you can, I wonder if people are wearing their masks in the cars they drive by themselves to the movie. I love that move. Do you do that, Aravinda? You drive around by yourself with a mask on? I do not, yeah. but I've seen that happen. Yeah, <laughs> haven't we all? Like, well, what's with that? Oh, features on here entitled. Yeah. yeah, so you know you have the the strength in the box office on one hand. On the other hand, the the risk of uh, maybe some of these movies being you know pushed out too far because of uh, the strikes, the writer strikes, the, the Screen Actors Guild strike. So you know the reason that the box I mean that's a one-two well. punch. By the way, that strike is going to get extended according to last week's guest Martin Katz, who's a producer of film. So it's going to be worse, not better. Um, yeah, and that's the risk. But a lot of people that were looking at Cineplex historically would have said, I don't know if this business comes back yeah. in the way that it was. So and We have proof that it has, obviously. It, it, yeah. So but the strike doesn't help it. There's no, it doesn't help it, but no. I, would say, I would see the strike as a transient problem. It may be a agree, problem but, for a while. But that's but, what, so this is also where balance sheet comes into the equation. Can the company sustain a writer's strike? I.e., is its balance sheet enough to support it? I think a few months, yes, but it couldn't get extended a few years because that balance sheet became extended did it not yeah yeah i mean it, it is extended because of uh because of uh covid right i mean they had right. to raise money to to you know keep the company running yeah. during during covid so that's why they have a bit of an elevated balance sheet but they have been paying down debt Good. and uh it's i i and cineplex is a diversified business they have a lot of assets if i don't think they're going in this direction but if push comes to shove there are assets that uh, they can sell and the other surprising uh, factor on the positive side is that uh you know the rec room the leisure segment of the business is actually doing really well um the rec room, for example, is, is, you know, attendance levels and revenues are almost 50% above pre-pandemic levels. Um, and, and that's quite meaningful as well. So that post-pandemic surge is still helping the business. Are you going to go see Ken and Barbie there? You're, you're like a Ken kind of a guy. You, you look like a Ken, Jack. You got that Ken look. I think I'll maybe go to Oppenheimer and send the girls to Barbie. So, uh, my daughter. My daughter loved it. She said it was amazing. Oh, really? Yep. You know, Arivinda, I'll tell you, you know, my daughter and Jack's wife uh, seems to be on the leading edge of change and what's hot. And I uh, said, so Jack, you got to pay, pay attention to some new running shoes on, on the market called On or On On. I think it's just called On. He said, never heard of them. I said, watch. And then he got home, went home and looked at his front doorstep and there was a pair of those running shoes. He came back and laughed. But uh, and that stock's been working very, very well. The other one is um, Elf. We were watching Ultra Beauty, but then my, I said to my daughter, I said, do you know Ultra Beauty? She goes, not really. Uh, she said, but uh, I do like Elf. And she said, it's hot. It's always sold out. And uh, that company reported results this week and stock popped 20%. So it's a Peter Lynch move. Uh, pay attention to the youth. Um, they can give you some really, really good cues as to hot trends. And again, you know, uh, Arivinda, how about this? In China, the Chinese authorities are now looking at putting a ban on cell phone use amongst the youth. What do you think of that? Well, it's going to take some, uh, you know, 
implementation. Uh, I'm going to say good luck taking it away from the kids. That's a good good th- th- there you go, Jack. There you go. I agree. My daughter, she loses it when I want to take her phone away for five minutes. Don't touch my phone. Like there's all this secret stuff. Just give me the darn thing. She won't give it to us. She'll put it down. It's brutal. Uh, absolutely brutal how addicted people are to their phones. Um, I never expected such a phenomena uh, from a cell phone. Did you? Um, no, I mean it's it's uh, you know it's 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 crazy, uh, the, isn't it? How much the functionality? I mean, can you? I mean, think about the amount of apps that are loaded to our phones. We can't even find our way back to, way to the next store if we don't have it anymore. <laughs> I mean, it's just. Uh, in all aspects, it's 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 so dominant. And uh, I was actually just watching an old uh, uh, interview with uh, Ted Rogers. I mean, it's 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 funny how you know it, it wasn't apparent even then. Have a great weekend, my friends. Arvinder Galipata, our media telecom analyst. I cannot thank you enough uh, for your time. Um, you get caught up on your media. Uh, I'm going to do the same. Friends at home, have a great weekend. Love you. You've been listening to Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hardhill, portfolio managers at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. For questions about today's show or any questions about money, email Wolf and Jack at WolfgangKlein.com. Hi-Fi Radio, for the love of money. Join us again next week. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment.